Well, good morning from me as well. Um, and thanks to Richard and to Dave and to the media team for all that you do. My job this morning is just to handle this question, how do we deal with death? Um, because there's a lot of it in 2021. Children to the oldest, we're all going to experience death. How do we deal with it? And I just want to take a text from the Bible, and it's this one. We do not want you to be uninformed about those who are asleep. <clears throat> That's how the Bible says death for Christians. They just fall asleep. Um, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. So everybody watching today, death is looming in planet Earth at the moment. 2021 is a constant reminder of that. You've got two choices in dealing with death. You grieve and it's hopeless, or you grieve and it's hopeful. That's your choice. And the glory of church is Jesus-centered church members grieve with hope. And I want to explain why today. 2020 is demanding this question of everyone. What is your view of death? And how are you going to handle it when it comes your way? Or maybe it's already in your life with loved ones and friends. How are you dealing with it? And it's massive because it also affects your view of life. Because how you live is often shaped by your view of death. And how you approach death often shapes how you live in the here and now. So, how are you dealing with death? What's your approach? Is it based on your own ideas and speculation? Your own whims and fancies? I've done some digging around, and here's some quotes from some modern famous philosophers about life and death. Here's Vanilla Ice. He's a Park End favorite. Um, Try to smile as much as possible, because when you die, game over. All right, so we've had a bit of death in Park End at the moment, and I'm meeting various uh, family members and friends who are grieving. Should I rock up next to them and say, smile, because game over. It's going to be game over for you soon as well, so just smile. All right, let's try and up it a notch. I've got one from Sylvester Stallone. Um, he says, we are here to play the game of life, to win or die trying. I don't really know what that means. I'm not sure Sly does either. I, if I meet him one day, I'll say, Sly, great movies, Rocky Four, the best one. Uh, Rocky Five shouldn't have done it. But just on your quote, Rocky Six, leave it alone. But just on your quote about, we're here to play the game of life to win or die trying. What does that actually mean, Sly? And I went through a period of asking people when I took a funeral about three years ago, what does it mean to win at life or to die trying to win at life? What does that mean? And basically the answers were essentially this. Before we die, Aim for the very best life you can. Okay, what does that mean? Usually it's this. Retiring on a beach 
sipping margarita. That was generally the vibe I got from people who think what the ideal life is and that we've won and now all we've got to do is face death. Um, and they actually expected the conversation to stop there, but I didn't let them and I kept pressing because 2021 is demanding we press on how are we dealing with life and death. So I would press them. All right, let's get to the beach. You order your margarita. You drink it. Ten minutes later, what happens then? You go and buy another one? Because you live in the dream now and you've conquered life. And that's shaping the world to come and how you're going to tackle death. What happens after that margarita? Right, you go and order another one. Okay, next question. Where are you going to get the money to fund your new margarita addiction? How are you going to deal with your weight problems that are come, coming with it? And your thirst problems? I guess if you're on a beach, you've got grandchildren. They're going to be a headache in your view of life and what it's all about. Because they're going to sap you of energy and money. Like, what does it mean to deal with death or to try and deal with life? Because I'm actually starting to think... This is all a lie. Even how we live in an approach to the world to come and death can be a complete, thoughtless lie. And so I want to press you this morning as an audience. Think today at least, please, how are you going to deal with death? Or life before you even get to death. In 2020, loads of people have entered death. Or, tons of them who are alive are just surrounded by it and feel like death warmed up. It's just everywhere at the moment. So there goes the margarita dream for now. We need to tackle this now. Here's a quote from Bertrand Russell, that uplifting Welshman. Brief and powerless is man's life. On him and all his race, the slow Sure, doom falls pitiless and dark upon us all. All right, thanks for that, Bertrand. Just wondering if we could do a bit better than that one, though. Because Park End has lost a lot of family this year. And you probably have, too. So I'm just going to park Bertrand a minute and see if we can do something better. Because guess what? Winter is around the corner, and we might lose more people from the Park End family. So we've got to deal with death. And hopefully it's not going to be in morbid hopelessness, like Bertrand is going to offer. How do we deal with death? The text I read says, grieve, but have hope. And if you're not a Christian and you're not part of church at the moment, you're just going to grieve and it's going to be hopeless. But I just want to talk to the Christians a minute. Grieve for the loss of loved ones. Grieve. Don't be one of those Christians that think, I shouldn't be upset. I've got heaven. I should just put a fake smile on and charge on through all this death and decay in 2021. Because if that's you, you're going to offer nothing real to non-Christians who are suffering. Don't add the burden that you're already uh, carrying, which is this. If I have faith, I shouldn't be grieving. 
And I'm saying that because if you are comforting someone that's really grieving at the moment, they might need to hear you tell them it's okay to grieve. They might. Because I've met tons of people that try to suck it up and they don't grieve now. And then it comes out a year later in real unexpected and unpleasant ways. Grieve, Christian. Grieve, non-Christian, for all this death around us. But there is a command upon the church, and Christians can own it now. We need not and should not grieve hopelessly. It is not nighttime forever if you're a Christian who's grieving and dealing with death. All is not lost if you're a Jesus person, but you're going through darkness at the moment. Now for people listening in, maybe you're not trusted in Jesus, you will be dealing with death sooner or later in your circles or yourself. It need not be nighttime forever for you too. So to help us get this right, I just want to flag up a few ways of what I think hopeless grieving looks like. And what the Bible says hopeless grieving looks like. So we can just screw down getting this right as it comes our way in the wintertime. When the pain and grief comes to you, you could do the following things. You could sort of think this to yourself. I'm going to close all relationships around me down because they expose me to the possibility of deep pain and loss. Therefore, the way to make sure I don't really have to deal with death around me is to keep everybody at arm's length and let no one in. You could do that. You could also bury your feelings. You could very quickly replace your losses. You could grieve alone. You could try and let time be the healer, to quote Eva Cassidy. You could learn to live with whatever regrets you might feel around the loss of your loved ones and how you could have done more. You could never trust again. Then you could work tirelessly to distract you from life's big questions. You could drink till your heart's content and just drift away. You could add tons of hobbies into your life. Now, some of those things are all right in and of themselves, but here's the problem. It's hopeless if it's based upon you just running hopelessly into nothing from life's big questions which are chasing after you. See, what's interesting is, in the text we read, the living God's approach to dealing with death is the exact opposite from running. And the world right now needs Jesus-centered church members who don't run, who face it. But even Jesus taught and lived that basic thing, don't run. Jesus basically said, feel your feelings and express them. Don't stuff things away 
and bury them and deny them and discount them or ever put on a false, brave face of an, of an image of someone that's not really you. Maybe you're doing that this morning. Jesus said, face it. Why is the story of Jesus and Lazarus in the Bible? Jesus' best buddy, Lazarus, dies. Why is that in there? Well, there's loads of reasons, but here's one. It's a message from the living God to planet Earth in 2021. Look how my son Jesus responds to searing loss and pain and how he deals with death. He faces it and he weeps with sadness at the loss of life. And preachers too often rush past that bit just to get to the raising of Lazarus bit. But actually, some people need to know right now that in their pain right now, Jesus cries with them, has cried. He has been through it, and he's got them in it. Before the resurrection stuff, there's hope now. So people can think the living God actually knows what I'm going through. It's not hopeless. The living God has been there. May I make a suggestion for grieving people outside of Park End Church? It's time for you this morning to gain two new friends who can help you deal with death. The first one is Jesus. The second one is church family. So pray right now in your heart, in your hearts, just call out in your rooms, Jesus, meet me where I'm at. And then reach out to the Park End Church family. Or if you're tuning in from other parts of the world, to your local church. And Jesus will do two things. He'll speak to you. Say, I'm with you. I'll be with you forever now. And I'm also going to bring in church family. And they're going to come along and they are going to be with you in it as well. And together, you'll deal with death. Because, and here's the key, and now we come full circle. Only church family truly know what it is to grieve with hope. And now they get to teach you that stuff too. And so to wrap all this up, the final big question then is, how can we really deal with death, loss, and tragedy in a hopeful way? And I'll say it in a sentence, and then I'll just spend the last bits explaining it. How do we deal with death? Here's a sentence. Jesus says, face it. Don't run from it. And I will face it with you. And as you wade into those deep waters, I will be with you. And church will be too. Let me explain. Children, <clears throat> have you ever eaten something that's bitter, but that is good for you? It's really nutritious, but it's bitter. Can you think of a fruit which is bitter, <clears throat> but mum tells you it's good for you if you eat it? So you just face it and you bite the bullet or the apple in this instance or whatever it is. <clears throat> Excuse me. Here's a key truth that you might not like to hear at first. Jesus is going to make every one of us Taste the bitter fruit of death. Unless he just comes back first. 
the likelihood is we're all going to eat the sorrow of death among our loved ones. He ate it. It was bitter. He tasted it. And we will too. But for Christians, it comes with this amazing promise. Even in that sorrow of having to deal with that bitter fruit of death, it will be nutritious and it will turn into good. Jesus says, you can deal with death because I, Jesus, have dealt with death and tragedy. And actually, for the church, I've dealt with her death entirely already. Let me put it another way. I went to my friend Marcus Nelson's house before lockdown kicked in this week, uh, just for a catch-up. And Marcus, he's a minister of a church nearby us, he gave me a fruit that I've never heard of because he wanted me to try it. Actually, I might have heard of it, but I can't understand his accent because he's Irish. So I don't know what the fruit was, but I hadn't eaten it before. He said it was from Malaysia. And he said it only comes in season a couple of times a year. So what does that mean as I ate that fruit? It means this, the goodness of that fruit I could only get a hold of a couple of times a year. It's, new, it's unique to certain times and seasons. Now here's an unbelievable fact. When a Christian church member faces loss and death, it's bitter. The scariness, though, of it all and the power of death, which has sin and decay behind it, has been destroyed by Jesus on Mount Calvary, where he took our sin and death on him. So now even death is like just a fruit that the church bites into and there's no real sting to it. It's just going in the long run to do us good. There's hope in death. Because we learn new things about Jesus that only periods of death and darkness can teach us things about Jesus. It's that season where we see new aspects of beauty in King Jesus, the conqueror of death and sin. Church sees new things in his Bible, in teaching, in prayer, in church members who offer comforts in ways they just can't unless it's that season of facing death. And all glory goes to the living God in this trying and bitter period of searing loss. Let me tell you some sad and offensive news. But God loves you enough to warn you. Don't ever buy anyone that says the message of Christianity is love if they don't then include serious warning and judgment. Each person listening to this is going to die. And it's because of sin. The Bible nowhere says that we're good people or that we deserve life or comfort. It just says we deserve death because we're inherently bitter people who reject the living God who is life. So we're outside. Now let me share with you some joyful news. The living God hates that we have that problem of sin and death. 
And so he sent a deliverer, his kingly son, Jesus, to give us life and to make us sweet where once we were bitter. He takes the penalty of sin and death. He destroys it. And then he holds your hand as you go through it. Why is there a valley of the shadow of death? What sort of shadow is it? Well, you only get shadows where there's a light. And there's only a light even in being surrounded in death. Because Jesus first went there and switched the light on. It's done. He's dealt with it. That's why there's a shadow. There's even hope on that scariest day. And that's how we know that our worst day is not the last day. Death does not have the final word. Jesus does. Nothing and no one but Jesus has the last word on any subject on planet earth other than Jesus. And he's issued the final word on death. I have destroyed it. So let's join with Martin Luther who went through a period of tentatio. That means translated trial or testing where he learned to sing with the psalmist in a new way that he didn't before. Psalm 119.67 Before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now, because of affliction, I keep your words. I cling to them. The psalm goes on and it says, It was good for me that I was afflicted. Because there I learned your ways and your laws. So let's close. To those who are in affliction, you're eating the bitter fruit that grows on that tree of death alone. Eat it. But remember, Jesus has eaten it. And he can be with you in it. Face him in it today. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit, says Psalm 34. It's really strange to think Jesus won't be special to you like this in any other period of your life. Claim it. And for those of you to close who aren't in a period of facing death, and you're doing all right in 2021, can I issue you a job? And that is to pray for those who are suffering and struggling. Pray what for? That Jesus would be with them as they deal with death. Remember when Jesus faced death, he grabbed Peter, James, and John, and he was like, I am now all consumed by this looming death that I have to deal with. Go to a quiet place and pray for me and hold me up. So, Park End live stream and beyond. There is a way that church deals with death. First, we invite you as outsiders in your decay and worry and anxiety and sin to turn to Jesus from judgment and death to life and hope. Then, join church family as we serve each other and we tend to each other's bodies, minds, and souls 
in the best ways that we can and we eat the bitterness together knowing that it will be nutritious. And finally, we invite you now to join church and pray for loved ones because Jesus needed it and now they need it. And we remember Psalm 30, sorrow may tarry for the night, but joy will come in the morning. And that may not be six o'clock tomorrow morning, but it's a promise from the living God. He will not keep you in the stage that you're currently in of sorrow and sadness. In his timing, we will all shine like stars with smiles that we have never smiled before. Where we all say together, in 2021, I realized that my greatest need and treasure wasn't good health. It was Jesus all along. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. We're going to close by singing, Thine be the glory, led by Richard. Thank you.